0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Incongruent Plus, thank God, we're still in business. Uh, And on this show, we like to have people that actually know what they're talking about, which is something that's uh, special nowadays. We have with us today, DJ Bliss, a.k.a. Marawan, but I think he likes to be be called DJ Bliss. So we just want to go inside and know what he knows about the industry and have a cute little chat. Uh, on this fine Sunday morning, how are you, DJ? I'm
1: doing good. It's um, a pretty good point, actually. I don't—I never really know what to answer if people ask me what I want to be called because they both really come very natural to me. So I don't feel like either one of them, um, you know, feels a certain way. Well, but I—you know—when I'm when i am i am DJing, like if someone calls me Marwan, it's it's a little weird. Uh, but then I, you know, sometimes people feel weird calling me like DJ Bliss or Bliss. So. I've kind of got used to both. Except for if my mom called me DJ Bliss, it'd be really weird.
0: <laughs> it's, like, it's like too much support. Yeah. Too much, yeah. Yeah, so let's get down to these questions because I've been wanting to ask you a lot. I just wanted to ask you before we get deep. Do you think that being Arab in the world of DJing uh, affected you or did it shape your character as a DJ?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely did. It was uh, it was tough. You know, I started, there definitely wasn't much around. And specifically not Arab DJs, but, you know, like Middle Eastern or even somebody from the UAE was uh, something more specific that I looked at. And there was really not much. There was a couple of guys I knew about, but they weren't really doing it full time or taking it as their, you know, career. Um, it was tough. It was not easy. But I think those challenges is what, uh, you know, created who I am today or, you know, built me. Um, and, and I appreciate that, uh, challenge, you know, and I think that's the way you should look at these, uh, challenges always that they're there for a reason. Um, and, and they help you, um, uh, you know, create who you are.
2: Would you say there were like any, um, sort of cultural expectations that you sort of had to break through to get to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um. You know, I, I didn't think, I think not me or my parents thought that I was going to do this, uh, you know, full time. It was just, I actually got my first club gig when I was still in university, right towards the end of my university uh, days. Um, getting paid not much as well. It was just enough to, you know, pocket money to be able to go out and do a couple of things. And um, I was getting paid like... um something like 300 dirhams a gig, I think. And I was DJing maybe once or twice a week. So it wasn't much uh, in the big world, but if you're a student and you have an extra, you know, what was it like, a six, twelve hundred, two thousand, four hundred 1200 2400 a month, it was great, you know? I was like balling. Um, you know, when we were buying Kudak, it was on me. Uh, <laughs> every time. Every time, man. Yeah. So, you know, it was just extra money. And then I became really good at it. And then also what helped, to break these cultural boundaries was I got into radio not too long. As soon as I graduated, actually, I got into my first radio job. So now it was already a progression to, um, you know, something else. And then uh, many years later, I got into TV, and then I started my own company, um, got into business, and then, you know, I was doing events, and not only DJing, and I I had a booking agency with other DJs. So I think those things really helped. Um, especially my parents, because that's who I care about the most, you know, as far as our cultural uh, restrictions and, you know, how they felt about it and how they, uh, there's a thing about Arabs, that, you know, they, they always say how, how what would people say, you know? Uh, and when they say that, they're talking about, you know, people in the circle, like family and stuff. And I think, you know, what I was doing, the moves that I was doing was very responsible uh, most of the time. Uh, and that allowed me to maneuver and do what I wanted to do without, uh, you know, get, getting the finger pointed at me.
0: And when exactly in your journey, maybe through through high school, getting to know yourself a little bit more, did you realize, okay, this is DJing. I could actually be a disc jockey. I could actually go into the music industry.
1: It wasn't really... Um, so, you know, the, the process was I used to... I was into music. I was not into, actually into DJing or anything like that. I was into alternative rock music uh, mainly. My brother's playing the guitar. He taught me how to play the guitar and drums, and I was really just playing like I was... I'm um, not a heavy metal head, but yeah, alternative rock, punk rock. That's what I was into uh, Nirvana and, you know, green day and that kind of stuff. So then my, my one of my other brothers who was in the States, uh, you know, he was coming back and, the, uh, he, and he brought me back a whole bunch of CDs with like mixed songs on it. And I remember I was doing a little bit of radio in my high school And I wasn't being invited to any of the parties. Like I wasn't part of the cool kids clan and I wasn't being invited to the parties. And I was like, you know, how do I get invited to these parties? I thought, you know, if I'm the DJ, then they have to invite me. And if I start throwing the parties, you know, they're going to, people will have to come. So it was kind of like, that was sort of the idea um, you know, going in right towards the end of my high school. And then I also think that we had a little challenge as far as the prom was concerned, where someone's organizing a prom, and we, me and a group of friends, not the cool kids, tried to challenge them by throwing our own prom. We failed and they won, but still, you know, <laughs> um, I, that, that was basically it, you know, I was trying to get in, you know, to the parties and, you know, be, be in on what was going on. And um, straight after that, that summer, I got like a, a little, and, and by the way, at this point, I'm still not DJing professionally, like mixing songs or anything. I'm talking about like just had two music players playing a song here and then turning the volume off, playing a song there. Just playing songs, right? Music selector. Mm. Just um, Yeah. Um, and, and, and literally like that, exactly how I'm telling you. Like I remember even I bought a setup and I bought like two CD, like these like CD players and you put a CD in and I just press it. And I had a mixer, and just swap them over. So I wasn't mixing songs. Then in the summer of that year, or the first year that I went to college, um, I got a gig at a, a theme park. It was called Wonderland, uh, which they just demolished sadly, but I heard that they're building a big one. Um, and over there, they had professional equipment. So when I was there, I learned how to mix on, on the equipment. And I was spending all my time learning how to mix. And because I was spending all my time how to mix and not uh, doing what I was supposed to do, which was announcing and doing, you know, what I said, so I got fired from mm-hmm. that job.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
1: Yeah. So I got fired, devastating, but, you know, I left knowing how to mix songs now. So I was ready for the DJ world. So that was uh, and then about a year or so later is, you know, the story I told you about when my brother came back. He brought me the music and I was uh, got my first club gig. So
2: it worked. How are you yeah. really able to sort of bounce back um, from just that session where you were in, where you were getting fired? Um, and it could have been really disappointing, I'm thinking, for just a young person that's learning new things.
1: Yeah, very much so. I was—I um, remember the feeling very well, um, you know. I, and I think I had the letter somewhere as well. when they when they told me, you know, it, and I kept it for for memories. But um, it 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 was really—I remember. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. You know, the first person I told was my brother. I remember. I still for another week or two, I would still leave the house um, and. You know, around the time that I was supposed to, I used to go to this uh, summer job. You know, I was a student; I was I just graduated from high school, um, and I felt super embarrassed to tell my parents I got fired from a job. You know, and I felt responsible as well. So I'd still go to, you know, leave the house at the time, and I'd come back when I was supposed to. Uh, a couple of times, I'd still go to the water park as well, and I, you know, watch like they got a replacement for me, and it was it was devastating for sure. But you you know, at at that time, I didn't know. But now I know that, you know, everything happens for a reason and there's a lesson to be learned in every situation, especially in yeah. failures. Because if you win, there's not really much to learn. But if you lose, you know what to do next time. So, you know, you, you, you fail many times before you succeed. That's just the, the, the honest truth about uh, situations like that. And um, I don't remember that feeling lasting long. Um because, you know, like I said, I remember clearly that moment of being fired. And then I remember just kind of like, you know, uh, going through that situation. And, and then eventually I told my parents and it was like easy. Parents love you no matter what. Like, there's nothing that you can do that can, that can make them feel differently about you. So, you know, if you ever think like, oh, my God, how am I going to tell them? I mean, yeah, it might be. It, it's very momental, if that's even a word, like that moment, they will feel a certain way, but they get past it so quick. It's it's unbelievable.
0: Uh, How much do you attribute your success to your support system?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important for sure. Um, you know, I think my family was my support system. Uh, my friends were my support system. Um, the people around me, were my sports system, it, it, it's 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 definitely important. You know, you need people around you who can hype you up, and uh, and also not only hype you up, sometimes tell you when you know things are not good as well. Um, and I'm you know grateful that I had those kind of people around me uh, always. But you you need those kind of people, and you need to be very wary of these people around you as well. That you know, um, you, there's a saying about you: the average of the five people you hang around with, um, and. When you start thinking about that concept, you start thinking about who are the five people that I hang around with. And if you were the average of those five people, are you happy with that thought? You know, would you be happy with that thought right now if I told you that? You know, the five people that you hang around with all the time, if they said that you're now the average of it in terms of how much money they make, their personality, um, you know, the way they move around, and, and be a representation of those five people in front of your family and friends, you know, how would that make you feel? And that goes the same for your support system, right? You don't want a negative person. You have a great friend. You know, you've been together since high school or kindergarten or whatever, but they have a negative personality. What are you going to do? Cut them off. That's what you have to do.
2: Yeah, I you- personally love working with the incongruent teams. Um, I think we're really good at So I really just goes to show how um, we can criticize each other, but also build each other up. Um, so this has been an exceptionally great podcast, and we're really excited to have you on. Um, thanks for sharing this with us. So, Thank talking you. about the people that you worked with, um, what are some folks that you've enjoyed doing a collab with, to name a few?
1: Oh, um, I mean, it's, 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 in terms of music, I mean, so many good ones. I don't have any like the, the music. Everyone who I've worked with on a song to date has been, you know, somebody. I've uh, you know, I've I've never paid anyone to to do a collaboration with. That's one, um, yet. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing is they they it's it's come from a a, a true true friendship uh, or like a real understanding or good energy a good vibe so you know i haven't done a lot of songs um and especially the main ones that i've put out uh the four or five have all been through that uh kind of situation so you know, they all have a story. The first one was with a guy called Cardinal Official. He'd just come out with a song with Akon. Um, and I booked him for a show out here. We met, really vibed. When I went do my first song with this guy who had like a big hit at the time um, called Dangerous featuring Akon, you know, he didn't think twice. He just like, he's like, yeah, let's do it. He sent me the vocals. He didn't even ask me about the situation or the, like there's a thing when you do a song, you do like the paperwork of the splits, who gets what. Didn't even ask about that. So. My first experience was great with that, and then my second experience, yeah, second experience was with. uh, um, I had Mims on this song. Same situation. Didn't really ask me for anything, and I I was supposed to have an international R&B singer on there, which I don't want to name, but he kind of pulled out on me last minute, and I'm grateful that he did because if I didn't. You know, um, I, I would not be able to say everyone I've worked with have good chemistry energy with because it just something was just not right about my friendship with that guy. Anyways, a couple of times um, did a couple of shady things. And, it's, you know, you always like give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think you have to be a little bit more honest with yourself about that. So it was Daffy who ended up getting on the song, which was, was super star from Kuwait. And now he's doing huge things another great situation. And then the um, next song was crazy. Melly Mel from Dominican Republic met her a couple of times. And, you know, she was, she, she's great. Like personality energy. Uh, and then the most recent one was with a guy who, again, you know, we met, we discussed uh, a track we did together, AO beats. So it's always been great. And you know, also one of my producers that I've worked with for a very long time, Prince Q, like, he's just like, you know, we've, we've worked together so long. We spent hours in the studio. It's just always an understanding about, you know, trying to make it and trying to make music. Cause that's what's re- what it's really about. If anyone's thinking short term, Hey, I want some money and, and you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's just not going to go anywhere because if, if a hit song becomes a hit song, everyone wins, right? If the f- the three of us right now create a hit song, it's just going to create opportunities for all of us.
2: And maybe some worried listeners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah never know yeah. never know
0: are there any uh celebrities or, or artists that you want to collab with in the future that you think would really make some 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 good productions with you
1: yeah I mean uh I would love to uh so many oh, one definitely on my list is will Smith um you know I would love to work on a, a song with him I actually been in the studio with him we recorded a couple of things we just haven't been able to put it out but just as a person and who he is um uh, uh you know very legendary and just personality is great like just works right with what you know i was talking about earlier so i'd love to eventually put that record out or you know work on something with him and then <laughs> um and then music wise you know i'm really feeling this new wave of uh, urban music with like the electronic element in it so skrillex is someone who i'd love to do uh some kind of collaboration with um
0: skrillex
1: major laser diplo those kind of sounds yeah
0: i'm just thinking right now when when you think a club and there's a dj you think it's uh automatically it's western music but do you think that the arab music scene is is gaining some traction arab music in, in clubs and are you supportive of that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely changing. I never used to play any Arabic music at all, and now uh, mm-hmm. on my nights I play a couple of songs, and I don't really choose like new songs, and uh, necessarily I want like just songs that make an impact. And there is really, there are making impact. Some of the Arabic songs I play on my uh, on my parties um, really have the best reaction of the night, and I, you know, I can't believe we didn't think about this before, but maybe also people weren't making good enough music. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, not easy to mix in with what we're doing But it, for me, it's I've always been like that I always challenge the music system Like I would play like the dance stuff on Urban Nights Before anyone else did I would play a Justin Bieber song And I wouldn't mm-hmm. think about what people said about it um, If I wanted to play Macarena on my parties I'm going to do it It's about how you play it And I think people are a little scared to do it um, cuz i have been playing makarena for a long time and then Taiga does a remix of it not everyone plays it you know before i you know people look at me so my my job is to just you know ha- make sure the party goes right and for me it, i don't start to think what is this person going to say about you know playing this song i just kind of go with the flow what's flowing in my head and that's what creates the party and that's that's been my stop in terms of the arabic music it's just you know i used to like playing a lot of the old old school stuff like saying jesmi uh el shaki mm. like i love playing that song you know i've tried to do a remix yeah. of it it's really well with the urban stuff um rashid majid Mashkelni, another great song i play pretty old tracks and then so, one day someone's like yo why you always play these old tracks and i'm like cuz they're great you know they the reaction that i want wa well, is a really great track and he did another one called Insight. so and then you know Mohamed Rabban is doing a lot of great ones these guys are now starting to make songs that are easy to mix in our parties and the and majority of the people are the club are Arab anyway, so it makes total sense, so I mix them up mm-hmm. and not only Arabic music, I think people you know, music is changing majority of the music I play at my parties before this whole COVID-19 thing happened was Afrobeat and Latin Latin yeah
0: Dang.
1: Yeah. huge right now, reggaeton so like, yeah uh,
0: you also worked with Shaggy and, and I heard that you, that you did some, uh, some stuff with Shaggy. So I'm, I'm waiting on, on that track with him. I'm, I'm excited now.
1: <laughs> the Shaggy record, um, you know, we've recorded already. And um, just waiting on release. This is the second song I've recorded with him. And this happens a lot. You know, you don't hear every song that gets recorded. I, I realize that. Um, I think this one is a really good one. Um, and hopefully you know we're just trying to figure out how to do a music video because of what's going on, and once we figure all that stuff out um yeah we should be we should have it out soon
2: cool, yeah. so looking back on your previous performances um what's like say a memorable um event that you have d j at? what's something that really stands out in your memory and why
1: um the most recent one I think is probably um, the Special Olympics. Such a huge event, and you know, it was being broadcasted around the world. And I was up on this stage, and I was like this great uh, platform. And you know, like the royal family of Abu Dhabi was there, and it was really like really huge. And main, but more than that, it was for the cause. You know, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into when I. Uh, offered to do it or, you know, we, we agreed to do it. And then I realized what a great, uh, you know, initiative it was. And I think that also played a huge role in, uh, you know, making it such a big event, but it was a great, great, great event. I mean, really like playing it in a stadium of that size as well. And, um, it was just, it was just one of those, one of those moments, like absolutely loved it. And that's one of the recent ones. Um, Aside from that, they're all pretty memorable for me. But aside from that, another good one was uh, I did a Wiz Khalifa concert about four years ago, and it was the first time I stepped out of the DJ booth and I went to the front of the stage. And I, you know, I've done it a lot in the clubs now. I really, I'm on the mic more, and I'm on the stage. So this was a concert where I jumped out in front of the stage and really started. You know, to make me feel comfortable doing that and, you know, performing as an artist. So that was another one which, uh, you know, I got the footage of. Um, Mm. And also I have a, you know, I do a thing called a vision board and I have pictures of things that I always wanted. One of the pictures I got from the Wiz Khalifa concert looked exactly like one of the pictures that I had on my vision board. So when I went after the show, I was like, like to gave me like goosebumps. So crazy.
2: Wow. You know, you've picked up on some really um, cool things so far, like this vision board, um, bouncing back from mistakes and sort of testing on even from something that started out as a little hobby. Um, mm-hmm. So what would just be some general advice that you would give to um, folks that are maybe trying to explore the creative industry, especially um, in this part of the world and finding it sort of difficult to um, step out of these expectations that people or friends or so and so have set for them? Um sort of some advice that you would give?
1: yeah i mean the the one of the most important thing is to you know be true to yourself uh, and be authentic and you know uh, figure out what you want to do and you know have a have a clear vision and just work towards it if it is something that's not you know what um
0: clear cuts.
1: yeah maybe something's not like that or you know not within your culture there's not really a lot of things like that because I feel mm-hmm. like you know mentalities are really changing now as well um but you know, if you do it for the right reasons, and I always tell people the story about, you know, how I did it. And I think, you know, my expectations, uh, uh, managing my parents' expectations was important. It wasn't the main thing. It wasn't like I was not doing stuff just so to make them happy. No, I like, you know, I I maneuvered in a way that I can I can move forward and and they were, you know, happy with uh, the results. And that by that, I mean, you know, I turned it into a business and I went into radio and I went... To TV. So, you know, it was very easy for them to accept uh, what I was doing and I'd give people the same advice, but if you're passionate about something, if you woke up one day and realized that you want to become a visual artist, or if you want to become a, you know, a pilot, or if you want to, you know, travel the world or whatnot, you just, you have to do it. If that's your calling, that's your calling, right? Nothing's going to get in the way of it, but you know, you, it's, it it can't be just, uh, you know, Oh, I love to travel. So no, it can't, it can't just be that for sure.
2: Lastly, I just want to ask, I'm really curious and I'm
1: sure we all are too. What is on your vision board? Oh, so I haven't made one recently, but you know, the stuff that I had put on my last vision board, honestly, like 70, 80% of it came true. Um, And I'll give you a couple of examples. Like I put a car on there. I bought the exact same car. Like literally the same car, not like kind of the same, like same color, same interior, everything. I had that car. Uh, wow. I put a picture of a private jet on there and I flew a private jet um, two or two years ago, about two or three years ago. I put a picture of Will Smith on there and I met Will Smith. Uh, um, I put that picture of that concert and, you know, I got the exact same picture. But let me blow your mind even more. I put a picture of, you know, I always was fascinated by, I I love island uh, destinations. So I, and I always loved the idea of these hotel rooms, like these bungalows on the water. So I just Googled bungalow Mm -hmm. on the water and I put that picture on there. When I was going on my honeymoon, after I got married, we're looking at hotels with my wife. I'm like, you know what? This place looks so familiar. And she's like, you've been there? I'm like, no. And it was in the Maldives. I'm like, no, but the place just looks too much like the picture on my vision board, which I had put up like two years before that. So I go back to my vision board folder. uh, And it's important that you put the pictures up. So I had the printed pictures up, but I went and found the picture. And I Google searched the picture. And that place was exactly, was the place that we were looking at going to, like the two or three places that we, and I ended up going to that resort that I had the picture on my vision board and the picture that I had of the bungalow from up, I took myself from a seaplane uh, when we were there. That's
2: cool. crazy. True story, crazy yeah. I would hear dreaming dreams and living them.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if you have a clear vision of what you want to do and you uh, and you remind yourself every day, you will do it, right? Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be successful. Everyone wants to travel. Everyone wants to fly first class. For sure, there's no one who wants anything less than that, right? But are you reminding yourself every single day about those things? And what are you doing to you know, achieve those things? We're not, right? You, you, you'll you think about that today, and you'll forget about it tomorrow. You remember a couple of days later. And the back of mind, you know, and now that we – uh, talk about it you might you know be like oh yeah you know I, I'd love to fly like you know first class sometime I want to show you guys real quick before you go all right take a look at this take a look at this picture all right can you see it it's basically the exact same picture and it's like if you see it it will just blow your mind the way of how similar it is and that's how I do it so the the vision board is just like pictures on a board and you just look yeah. at it every day and I'm talking about Literally, like 90% of these pictures are have come true. I mean, not, not only a vision board, I have, you know, sort of um, things that I, you know, I have these like 20 uh, things that I say every morning. I used to say it and I used to have like a picture of my phone, then I'd like go in and try and find it, but it's just not the same when when you have it written. So I wrote it and I stuck it on my bathroom mirrors every morning, as soon as I wash my face, look up, it's right there, and I read it. And I memorize it, and I haven't memorized anything since I left high school. And I never used to memorize anything there either.
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: I'm sure Hashim agrees.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Well, I think that's, that's a great line to finish this brilliant episode. This went really well. Thank you so much, DJ Bliss, for coming. Uh, and I, I, I can't thank you enough. This was a really good episode.
1: Thank uh, you. We
0: well, I, I want to thank you again. This has been a really good episode. And this has been Hashim Ryan and Imna Varghese with DJ Bliss. Thank you all and stay snazzy.